Do humans deserve a climatic death? Then we travel to the home of a little girl who's just trying to get a good night's sleep. But every single night she hears a little boy crying in the house and a mysterious woman taunting him for eternity. Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day too. I hope you guys had an awesome weekend. We got a ton of stuff to cover today. So first off, running into Dead Rabbit Command right now for the third time. Everyone get on your feet and give it up for Stinkbug Potato. Woohoo, yeah, wee, ha <laughs> ha wee, yeah. Stinkbug Potato bought me three books. For my birthday earlier this month, and this is the last book she got me, The United States of Paranoia, A Conspiracy Theory. And it's a book that looks at conspiracy theories and why they are important. Not not that he's a huge advocate of them, but just instead of dismissing them, to take a look at conspiracy theories and figure out why certain ones seem to captivate the American mind. Very looking forward to reading that book. Stinkbug Potato, you're going to be our captain, our pilot this episode. If you guys can't support the show through the Patreon or buy me presents, that's totally fine. It really is. Just help spread the word about Dead Rabbit Radio. That helps out so much. Tell your friends, tell your family, tell everyone you know. Dead Rabbit Radio is your favorite paranormal show. You can also vote in the monthly Paranormality Podcast of the Month contest. That link is in the show notes below. Stinkbug Potato, I'm going to go ahead and toss you a little engineer cap and a whistle. Woo-woo. Everyone hop on board. The Carpenter Caboose. We're leaving behind Dead Rabbit Command. Chug, chug, chug us all the way out to a bedroom. Chugga, 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 chugga. Ooh, ooh. Carpenter Caboose taking us down the miles of railway across America to go to this bedroom. We're going to to this unknown man's bedroom. This guy posted this online. I read it and I thought, this, we only got two episodes left till Halloween. This one and the next one. So I want them to be extra spooky. I wanted some spooktacular goodness. You're like, Jason, you had 30 days to do this. You should have had every episode be spooky in October. Yeah, I should have, but I think they were kind of spooky. But this, if you weren't spooked out by the ghouls and the goblins we've been talking about all month, Check out this. Some guy posted online, and it might make you think. Made me think. Otherwise, I wouldn't be talking about it. I was like, oh, I didn't give it a passing thought. We're sitting in this guy's bedroom, and he's watching something on the internet. And I was like, we came in a little too early. Let's go out of this bedroom. And we hear him finish up, and then we walk in to the bedroom, and he's done. And now he's facing away from his computer monitor. His lower half of his body body is shrouded in shadows, and he's like, ah, yes. Let me tell you my theory, he says. He says this, he posted this online. Imagine one night you're masturbating to hardcore pornography. He, He just was, he was just doing that. He's like, I don't have to imagine. The world is my reality. He's sitting there and he goes, imagine one night you're sitting there masturbating to hardcore pornography. And then you go to bed, 
and you die in your sleep. He says, this is interesting. <laughs> I don't know why he chose the hardcore pornography example. Again, he might have just been doing it. He's like, oh, now, it, now a thought has popped into my head. This post-acoidal awareness. He goes, think about this. Imagine that someone just watched hardcore pornography, masturbated, and then died in their sleep. He goes, what was the point of it all? What was the point of life? Where's the climax? Not not the climax, not the orgasm, but where's the ending to life? And I, let me read you his exact quote. He goes, it seems so banal, so pointless. It's funny to think that most people's lives don't have any sort of climax. They just end. Why is the universe like this? If life is meaningless, what cosmic force could possibly generate such meaninglessness. I can't get my head around how stark, how irreligious reality seems to be. And I read that and I thought, that's... It, it, it's, it operates on a bunch of different levels. I get what he's saying. Like that, that is how most people die. I've always been someone who's doing something, striving for something, and I understand out of all of the endeavors I've ever done in my life that I could die in the middle of any of them. Some of them, some of them, I probably could have gotten shot during parts of it. I invited it in a way, right? Not making smart decisions, but I mean, I could record it. I, I think about this from time to time. I'll record an episode and then I think, what if I die before I get that episode out? Like it'll just sit on my hard drive. There's a few people in my life who know my codes to get into things, but none of them know enough to do it on their own. I've given four people one digit of my PIN number, and I'm just joking. But there are people who know how to get into my laptop, but they don't know any of my passwords to access my bank account, my podcast, things like that. There are people who have the passwords to access those websites, but they don't have my code to get into my computer. You go to the issues, and I just thought of that. I was like, oh, wait a second. If they have the password of the website, they, can, they don't need my computer. They can use any computer. My point is, is that I've thought about that. Unfinished work. I record an episode. I go, wow, that was a really good episode. And then I go to take a shower. <laughs> it was such a good episode. I'm all sweaty. I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm glistening as I'm recording it. I go and I take a shower and I think, what if I slip and fall in the shower and break my neck? The episode never gets out. And it's a passing thought. It really is. I'm not like, the world the world will ever, never know what I thought about Barack Obama not having genitals. No, that'll be such a crime. It's a passing thought, but it pops in my head from time to time. I try to have the mentality... In this 50 Cent, I'm sure other people have said it as well, but 50 Cent famously said in his song Heat, if I die today, I'm happy how my life turned out. And I think that I'm not in that place. Like, I've had some really cool adventures and I've met some amazing people, but if I died right now, would I be happy how my life turned out? And no, because I'm constantly striving for more. But... When the scope of things, I've talked about this before on the show, the podcast is five years old. 
I did music maybe 15 years before that. 10, 15 years before that. And I was writing before that. There was a long gap in my life when I was at my lowest point. And had I died at any point during that 10-year gap, I would have been an uneventful death. No climax. No great struggle towards the end. It would have just been me eating, like buying a bunch of food at Walmart, making a 2,000 calorie meal of chili beans and rice and cheese and tortillas and all this stuff, and me eating it while watching YouTube for eight hours and then laying in bed and having a heart attack because I was 350 pounds. (laughs) And I just ate 2,000 calories in one sitting. There'd be no climax to any of it. And my future, that may be where my future's at as well. I may end up doing, stop doing the podcast at some point and start eating super poorly again and gain a bunch of weight and go, ah, nothing makes me feel better than eating. Because that that food did make me feel better. It's full of fats and oils. It made me feel great. And I'm at this point 67 and I'm eating that and I just die of a heart attack in my sleep. A life with no climax. It's interesting to think because I Hadn't thought of that in such a basic way before. And I don't know, maybe you guys all have. <laughs> maybe you guys are like, yeah, Jason, I realize death is coming. It looms above us all. And I often think about how if I died today, my life would have no climax. To me, I was like, I, I guess I had never seen it put so starkly. And I think that's the reason why he used hardcore porn. I don't think this dude's necessarily doing that. But it would seem like such a waste of an evening. It's like kind of like the thing that an ape can do an ape can masturbate in the bushes and if we're spending our time if the if the highlight of your day is downloading or watching hardcore pornography and then masturbating and then going to bed was that the highlight of your life what an what an inglorious ending to us all <laughs> you're being really depressed jason what what's the point of this you're actually making me want to shut off the podcast because technically, if you think about it, I should be doing something better with your time. Well, you, I'm not saying that. I'm definitely not saying shut up the podcast. I'm just, I'm not actually even saying anything. This isn't a call to action at all. I'm not saying, so there you go, guys. Unplug your internet. Plug it in just to download my episode and then unplug it. Go off and go run. Enjoy this. I'm not saying any of that stuff. I think running's boring. I would be more bummed if I if, if all of a sudden an angel says you can choose one of two deaths, you can be watching YouTube for eight hours and have a heart attack, or you could be running through a meadow. And I'm like, <laughs> I just I don't even finish that one. Running, lame. Give me the YouTube heart attack. I'm not. This isn't a call to action. If anything, it's just a spooky thought. Because he's right. He's totally right. Most humans, and myself included, right, will very likely die a an anticlimactic death. I guess I always figured that I would be involved in some sort of shootout. Which, again, if you're listening to this podcast, jury, I'm not saying that I caused the shootout. It was clearly in self-defense. But you know what I mean? Like, I figured, like, I'd be trying to defuse a bomb or something. Something cool. I figured I would hope that I would die in a very eventful way. If it wasn't, I was trying to defuse a bomb or drive a bus full of orphans through a fireball, which I did, jury, I did cause that, sorry. They weren't orphans before they got on the bus, but clearly my diabolical plans killed all of their parents, but now I'm trying to save them because I feel bad minutes later. 
and I drive this school bus through a fireball, and I die. I guess I guess if the driver dies mid-fireball, the passengers don't stand much of a chance. But anyways, something cool. And then I figured if I wasn't going to die in a climatic way, if I wasn't involved in a shootout with space aliens, or, or due to my psychosis, humans who look like space aliens, your honor, something weird steamroller right get ran over by steamroller fall into molten lava or lead something that would like be in the news <laughs> basically is what i'm saying a piece of a satellite crushes me falls from space something like that but the fact of the matter is it probably won't be what happens unfortunately myself like every nearly every other human on the planet we're just gonna have a heart attack or something horrible happens. <laughs> Jason, this is spooky. This is your spookiest Halloween story yet. Because now you're making me think about death. I just imagine that, yeah. It, but here's the thing. Like, would it be anti... If my life has been pretty dope. It's had some rough patches. And it's had some patches where I wasn't doing dope stuff. I was just kind of a lump. I was really wasn't doing anything. And I made it through those. Hopefully those don't come back. But... So, I mean, like, having a heart attack would be, it would be lame. It would be kind of, you know, tacky at this point. But, like, that's most likely what's going to happen. Stroke, aneurysm, or something, something like that. Something happens just, like, doctors don't even flinch. If you're, like, in the hospital, you're all like, ah, you're having a heart attack and stuff like that. Doctor's like, scalpel. In the next room, the other doctor's working on a dude who had a satellite fall on his chest. He's like, oh man, I love space. I wanted to be an astronaut before I became a doctor. Why does that doctor get to work on the space fragment? And then he's all cutting me open, trying to fix it. They're like, doctor, he has a heart attack. You're not supposed to cut him open. He's like, oh, sorry, my mind is in another place. Outer space, to be precise. Most of us will die a anticlimactic death. Does that mean anything, though? Like, this is such an interesting and depressing and spooktacular story because it's weird because I guess I never really thought of it like that before. I think of death constantly, constantly, but I never thought about how it's very likely we're all going to die of kind of lame, ordinary deaths. And there's nothing you can do to stop. (laughs) You could lose weight, go for a run every once in a while. It'll at least cut down on your chances of a heart attack. You know what I mean? It's weird because he's right. He's totally right. I don't think I agree with the rest of it. I don't think that it's the universe somehow has manufactured a way for us to just die in such ordinary ways. I don't think there's any sort of grand scheme. But then you start looking at stuff like predestination and like when you were born was your your only story, your only path was to eventually at the age of 38, go up, time for some hardcore pornography, and then have a heart attack. Later, see, it's not even that you had a heart attack while you were watching the porn. That would be interesting. It'd be embarrassing. It'd be super embarrassing, right? But it'd be interesting. Not many people die that way. A lot of people just die of heart attacks. You, like, shut off your internet, not your internet, you shut off your computer, and you close out your browser history so no one knows you were on Pornhub and you go into the bedroom and then you die. And then when people find your body three days later, 
they're not going to go, oh, let's see what type of pornography he was watching. <laughs> Although now that I think about it, I'm sure people, EMTs do that from time to time, just out of curiosity. But yeah, this isn't a call to action. I'm actually not saying for you to get off your butt and do something. Although I do hope you guys are doing that 90 days to a better you challenge <laughs> that I've been talking about. This is completely unrelated to that. It's spooky because he's right. He's right, but I don't think I agree with if life is meaningless, then what cosmic force could possibly generate such meaningless? I don't believe life itself is meaningless. Our deaths, though, can be meaningless. But the life that preceded it, I think, is uniquely important to everyone and everything surrounding you. So that was <laughs> that was the first story. Left you with a little bit of hope. I always believe there's hope. And I was going to save this for tomorrow, but I think I'm going to do this now because that <laughs> you saw me. And you're like, oh, you're crying. You're like, why do I listen to this podcast if it's not disgusting? It's soul crushing. You never know what you're going to get on an episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. <laughs> why isn't this podcast more successful? Why isn't it the number one paranormal podcast? Who knows? But. I recently got a book. It's about eight pages long. You're like, Jason, are those pages hard cardboard? Are you holding a children's book? I'm going to read you this book. This will cheer you up. I was going to save this for tomorrow's episode. I might just do it twice. This book is called Teeny Tiny Ghost by Rachel Matson. I'm going to read this to you. You're like, Jason, is this a gimmick? I love this book. In the Teeny Tiny Barn of a teeny tiny house lived a teeny tiny ghost and a teeny tiny mouse oh you should bring your kids in for this <laughs> you're like i'm not bringing uh uh-uh. nope this is you're, this is a gimmick this is a trick you're trying to trick my kids in you just made a bunch of kids orphans not nah, bring your kids in i'll, I'll start over because i just read the first page come on kids in the teeny tiny barn of a teeny tiny house lived a teeny tiny ghost and a teeny tiny mouse in the teeny tiny attic of the teeny tiny barn the teeny tiny ghost tried her best to cause alarm she's practicing her ghost face in the mirror there's big pictures this is a kid's book if you had include on this is not beowulf but with her teeny tiny voice and her teeny tiny squeak The teeny tiny ghost had just a teeny tiny shriek. But the determined little ghost let her mighty courage through. And with a teeny tiny breath, she said a teeny tiny... The teeny tiny mouse gave a teeny tiny yelp and a teeny tiny jump with a teeny tiny whelp. The teeny tinies looked with a teeny tiny smile, gave a teeny tiny laugh that thundered out for miles. What? And now the teeny tinies play in the teeny tiny house, just the teeny tiny ghost and her best friend, Mouse. What? Oh, isn't that adorable? I love this book. (laughs) I'm just going to start reading it every episode. For the for the rest of the run of the series, I will um, take away the entrance music, Atlantis Attacks, and it'll be me reading Teeny Tiny Ghost by Rachel Matson.
Fantastic book, isn't it? Death Radio recommends Teeny Tiny Ghost. See, it's not a gimmick. Nothing gross in this book. Maybe I'll write a sequel, though. Stinkbug Potato, I'm going to go ahead and toss you the keys to the Carpenter Copter. We are leaving behind this dead dude's bedroom. Fly us all the way out to a house in the suburbs. We're about to meet this young girl. She didn't give her name. We'll call her Michelle. Michelle said this story took place between the ages of five and eight. So it's a pretty big time span there. I don't think it happened consistently for three years. Although it might have. It might have. I also do think she just has a hard time remembering exactly when it happened. But Michelle said back when she was a little girl, she lived in a pretty crowded house. You had her mom, Michelle's mom, and then she had two brothers. And then Michelle's best friend also lived there with her boyfriend and their three kids. So she said there were five boys in the house and that allowed Michelle to have her own bedroom. Which you would think, awesome, right? You want to have your own peaceful place to kind of hang out and maybe read a book. (laughs) Maybe read a book called The Teeny Tiny Ghost. But the problem also with that is you have to sleep alone in what could only be described as a haunted house. Michelle goes every single night, every single night, according to her, she'd wake up to the sound of a little boy sobbing. (laughs) It'd wake her up. And this little play would go on. She goes, it was the same thing every single night. I'd wake up, I'd hear the little boy sobbing and going, no, no, (laughs) no. Then Michelle would hear a woman's voice. Shh. The woman would say. Shh. I'm almost done. (laughs) No. No. (laughs) She heard it every night. She didn't see anything. Something was happening to this little boy that he did not want to happen. Shh. I'm almost done. Terrified her, right? It would terrify any of us. The first, first half a dozen times you'd figure I'm coming out of a dream. I'm hearing things. But it's happening enough that she believes that this is real. And she is telling people in the house, oh my God, it's so spooky. I can't sleep. I keep hearing this little boy crying. And this woman, and nobody believes her. Nobody believes her. She's a little girl living in this house. Nobody believes her. Apparently, she at some point starts sleeping with her mom. Because why wouldn't you, right? It's nice to have your own bedroom during the day. You can go play with your horses. But at night, <laughs> the haunting the haunting cries of a boy, yeah, you can do without that. So she starts sleeping in her mom's room, but I don't think it's every single night. I think it's like off and on, off and on. At one point, though, her mom wakes up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom, and Michelle, although she doesn't have to go to the bathroom, walks down the hallway with her mom. 
because she doesn't want to be alone. She knows exactly what she's going to hear if she's alone. So she goes, we walk down the hallway. My mom goes to the bathroom. She comes out. We're walking back to my mom's room. And off in the hallway, like one of the rooms attached to the hallway, she goes, it wasn't a bedroom. It was just like a room. We were walking by it and I turn and I look into that room and I see for the first time the boy. She goes, it was just the black silhouette of a young boy standing in that room staring at me. We just walked past the room. Her mom wouldn't believe her if she said anything. I'm sure at this point, Michelle's like, I do have to go to the bathroom. Mom, can we go back? Otherwise, I'm going to pee your bed. The next morning, everyone wakes up. They're walking around, stretching out. Breakfast is cooking in the kitchen. Michelle did not sleep at all. (laughs) Michelle did not sleep at all that night. That was the first time she'd actually seen this child. She goes, I was just laying in bed, wide awake. I didn't sleep at all. Eventually the morning came and I just kept laying in bed. And I'm laying in bed and I'm looking out. And I see the boy. I see the boy again. It's daylight. The shadowy figure of this boy materializes through a wall. Just walks through a wall and then begins walking down that long hallway. Eyes. Boy, she couldn't see its eyes, but just from the way that he was facing, he was just staring straight ahead. He wasn't turning his head from room to room. She just saw this dark figure of this boy, again, broad daylight, walking down the hallway. Next night, or that night, really, Michelle is once again sleeping in her mom's bed. Here's the little boy sobbing. Now, this might be the first time that she heard it since she's been sleeping with her mom. We know she was hearing it alone in her bedroom all the time. But this might be the first time she's hearing it with her mom. Or it could have been nonstop. It could have been with the mom, without the mom. But from what I gather, this was the first time she'd heard it when she was sleeping with someone else. <laughs> no. No. Shh. I'm almost done. This has woken Michelle like it always does, and she's laying in bed, her mom's bed with her eyes wide open. Here's the sound like she always does. And then... Michelle hears something. And she goes, it was like whatever it was, was right next to my ear. Like I'm laying on my side. 
I'm wide awake at this point, and I hear something right in my ear. It was so loud. It was so close. So, what she heard was the original sounds. Oh, no. 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 Mine. Right in her ear, she heard a woman's voice very firmly tell her, Mine. Once again, she tells the family about this. <laughs> I'm sure she wet the bed that night. I'm sure she might still wet the bed. No one believed her. No one believed any of this. She's basically living the life of a child in a hostile environment. No one believes her. And then apparently, I don't know if it was a couple months later or a couple years later, family's like, yeah, you're just talking about stuff. And her mom's best friend's boyfriend was going, you know what? It's really weird, man. It's for a while I've been walking and hanging out around this house, living here. Every so often I'll hear something late at night. I'll see a shadow. And everyone's like, what? <laughs> I totally believe him. They're like, oh my God, that's so spooky. He's like, yeah, man. I don't know. This place is kind of sketchy. It's kind of weird. I think it's haunted. And everyone's like, what? Crazy. And Michelle's like, I've been trying to tell you that for years. This place is terrifying. I've been telling you about the voices. The crying. They're like, well, yeah, but you're a little girl. Right? <laughs> Nobody believed you. But this dude's like, oh, I think I saw a ghost once. Everyone believes that the house is haunted now. And that's the story of Michelle. It was posted online under the name OK Character 6386. This is, there's a couple different ways I can parse this out. I don't know how depressing I want to get. But if I get too depressed, if I get too depressing, we got this book. I can read it again. Um, first off, the, what I love about this story I'll tell you what I love, and then I'll tell you what I hate about it. Uh, what I love about the story is it's a haunting that you'll think it's one thing. These are what, the first part of it, this is what we would call a recording haunting or a psychic thumbprint type of haunting, where it's just an event playing out over and over again. You can't interact with it on any level. The same way if you're watching a movie on DVD, you can't be like, no, Phantom, leave Christine Daae alone. And he's like, what? Okay. And then he leaves. And then the rest of the movie is just like her eating grapes. You can't interact with it in any sort of way. That's how most hauntings are. You go to a house, you'll hear some creaking. Maybe you'll hear some moaning. <laughs> That's that guy watching hardcore porn in the other room. You'll, you'll, you'll see these things, but you can't interact with them. That's the, really the most typical types of hauntings. The woman standing on the lighthouse waiting for her lover to come home from sea but he died in a crash or a sink whatever boat boat sink <laughs> i don't know what's going on in my brain is boat sink you can't interact with that you can never go up there and talk to her in any sort of meaningful way then you have the hauntings which are more like a poltergeist or an active spirit and that the poltergeist is where they're actively throwing stuff around moving things you would have a spirit where you could interact with it. You could say, like, why are you here? What's going on? Do you know that you're dead? These type of, of hauntings. 
And this starts off as it seems to be just a recording. But until the ending, when the woman tells Michelle mine. So it's Michelle wasn't interacting with it. It was interacting with her. And you could think of it. Maybe it started off as a recorded haunting and gained more power and became interactive. That's not normally what we see, but World of Paranormal's weird. Who knows? I think that this... Here, here's my thing, and, and that's what I love about the story. It's, it's a combination of two types of hauntings. And again, this may have gone on for years. She said it happened between the ages of five and eight. It could mean she doesn't know exactly when, or it could have happened for three years. I'm going to put all my cards on the table here. If you were walking, this is going to get gross real quick, but if you were walking and you heard a boy sobbing and saying, no, 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 and then you heard somebody else say, shh, I'm almost done, and the kid's sobbing, not crying, not throwing a fit, not angry, but sobbing, your mind goes to dark places. I mean, I think most of us would pound on that door, right? And if we got in and we saw it was in a dark place, we'd be pounding on the adult as well. Um, that, that, that's what I, I, I was like. Is she, was she molesting this kid? Was she molesting this kid? The kid's saying, wow, Jason, I thought maybe she was just hitting him with a spoon. I thought it was a mom punishing a kid, spanking him a little too hard. That did get dark. I, it got dark real quick. If this mom or this babysitter or whatever this event was, she's, let's go with my horrific example. She's molesting this little boy. I mean, the psychic power that would be generated in such a despicable act would be off the charts. It would be pretty rough. Like, I mean, obviously, the 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 what happened would be the worst part. But I'm talking on a paranormal level. It would soak the it would soak the household in that type of energy. And you could have the idea of this event was so traumatic for the child. That it was replaying itself. We don't even know. I mean, like, this kid could now be 80 years old. This kid could be moved on far from this house. We don't know how long ago this event possibly happened. It could have happened a couple of years before this family moved in. We don't know. But you have this psychically charged area, and this event is kind of playing out over and over and over again. Now, also, the older, the the best friend's boyfriend, he didn't really go into specifics about hearing children crying or anything like that. He just said the place was sketchy. I find it really interesting that only Michelle was picking up on it. There's a chance that other people witnessed it and they didn't feel comfortable saying anything because they knew everyone else was making fun of Michelle when she said it. And that's possible. But the other theory is that she was attuned to this. Like the, the child was reaching out to the person he could relate to the most. Maybe she's the youngest. She's definitely the only girl in the house. Not saying anything bad happened to her, but he could see her as a outsider in the home and he's trying to reach out to her, that psychic energy. Who knows? We don't know. But then we get to the ending where it almost does seem like this is just going to play out over and over again. But when you hear the voice say, mine, to me, the whole scenario flipped. It's not the child's psychic energy trapped in that house. It's not his suffering 
that has locked into this place. No, it's the offender's enjoyment. It's the offender's perverse actions and emotions and and all of this stuff that has soaked into the area. She, her soul, has locked all this in. Now, again, we don't know if these participants are dead. Because it's so interactive at the ending, I would assume both the woman and the child have been deceased at this time, but we don't know. We don't know. But the fact that you could have this event playing over and over again, and when Michelle keeps observing it, she's seeing the boy at this point. She's observing it first by hearing it, and then she sees the boy. And now, again, if we, we don't have all the information, but if now she's actually hearing it when she's in a room with someone else, it's no longer targeting her when she's just alone. This is when the spirit says, Mine! Staking claim over the child. All of his pain and all of his suffering, it is hers and hers alone. Only she gets to enjoy it. It's disgusting. (laughs) Super gross. Now, here's the thing. My read could be totally wrong on it. Absolutely. I wasn't there. I wasn't there. (laughs) Thankfully, right? But that was my read on it. Like, it was actually, it now knew. I don't know if it was more, I, I don't think, I don't know. I don't know, but it, but from the progression of events, like, was the boy reaching out to find an ally in the house? Or was the woman just trying to traumatize somebody else? Was it both? Were there two spirits in this home? It's interesting because the boy was sighted walking through the house, his spirit, but she never saw the woman. I'm assuming, you know, okay, character, I'm assuming she's past the age of eight at this point. I'm assuming she's posting all this stuff as an adult. So we're talking about a story that at minimum is, you know, 12, 15 years. Okay, so she says she's 21 now, so that should give us a gauge. So this story is at least, do I have to do math? What's eight minus 21? 13 years. Aha, you guys are getting your calculators. (laughs) You guys are getting your calculators out. I know it. But I figured it out all with my brain. 13 years. We have the information that she gave us. That's kind of all that we have. And she doesn't say in those other 13 years if she experienced anything else, if she ever saw the woman or any. But that's my read on it, is that this was not the child's soul trapped or just the child's soul trapped or just the psychic landmine. Those may be factors in it. I think it was the spirit of this woman reliving this event that they most likely hid from the rest of the world in their mortal time on earth i'll assume that that they these are people who have passed on by now at least her this woman would have hid this from her friends and her family no one would have known the depravity she was capable of but when she died it was like her happiest moment she went back to that place and she's continuing that abuse over and over and over again every night Most ghosts aren't even that active. Most powerful spirits aren't even that active every night. And then when it seems like the boy was reaching out to this girl, making himself physically visible, but even then, almost in a a, uh, 
a traumatized state, right? The child would just stare ahead. I mean, who knows? Who knows? It's such a creepy story. And if it is just a psychic recording that had a little glitch at the end, like the when it says mine, when she says mine, a woman says mine in Michelle's ear, you do figure it's something more than a psychic recording. Maybe it's the boy reliving his trauma. Maybe his soul's trapped in that moment. And you could find some peace in giving him peace. You could try to get him out of that home and, and uh, you know, get him to move on from his trauma and then he leaves. But if it's her trauma, the trauma she inflicted, if the female spirit is trapped is trapping the child there and continuing to do what it had done so many years ago in this dark and perverted loop every single night like i don't even know i mean like burn the house down at that point i mean you know the fact also that the boy materialized through the wall that kind of makes me think that this event could have been old enough that there was a different house on the location. The boy wasn't materializing through all so much as it was walking through the original house that was there. Who knows? I mean, this story could have taken place any time between now or 13 years ago and the birth of the country. I, who knows? We don't even know where this story took place. I'm assuming America, but um, anytime between Benjamin Franklin and now, this story could have taken place. We don't know. We don't know a lot, but based on what we do know and just hunches on the evil of mankind. I think that her ghost is deeply enjoying this. Her spirit loves the fact that she's trapped in this home with this child and reliving it over and over and over again on this young boy. And the boy's reaching out to get some help and... The female spirit doesn't want that. She yells into Michelle's ear, Mine. And you wonder if that child, that child spirit has tried reaching out to other people who lived in that home in the past 13 years. Did most people just ignore it? I mean, obviously this house had, what, eight people in it? Nine people? Don't ask me to do math again. One math problem per episode. And really, one could definitely see it. The other one was kind of getting vague images, hearing weird things at night. You wonder if this boy's tried reaching out for help over the past 13 years. And no one's paid attention. He wasn't powerful enough to really send any signals. Or people just ignored it. They just... Chalked it up to something weird they saw down the hallway, but, you know, ghosts... No, I don't believe in ghosts, whatever. It's just something weird. And even if he did continue to reach out for help, would anyone be able to help him? Is her spirit too powerful to stop at this point? I know this is super depressing. I know this is super depressing. There's a line between spooktacular and downright horrible. I, I understand that. But just the raw power... The raw power that this woman may be capable of. If you try to help this child, she can yell at this little girl. That was 13 years ago. Who knows what she's capable of now? 
Maybe she has become powerful enough to throw stuff off shelves or slam doors in your face or trip you when you're walking down the stairs. If she thinks you're getting too close to taking this boy from her, from releasing his spirit, she may stop at nothing to stop that from happening. You may go into that house and start to see these things and hear these things and reach out to a spiritual advisor. You may consult psychics, paranormal researchers. You bring them out to that house. You're trying to get away. You're trying to figure out a way to end this haunting. And nothing seems to help. This spirit is pretty powerful. The activity may die down for a bit. But it's not because of anything anyone did. It just went into hiding and took the child with it. Out of sight, out of mind. But after a couple months, it comes back. She loves people. She loves doing this over and over and over again too much to take too much time off. You keep trying, though. You keep trying to stop it. And she keeps evading all of your efforts until eventually one day you do find yourself walking down the stairs. And you're holding on to the banister. You see there's nothing in front of you, but all of a sudden you feel a sharp shove from behind. And you tumble down. And when you hit the bottom of the stairs, you're a little knocked out, a little concussed. It's nothing instantly fatal. And that's when you feel a heavy pressure on your chest. Like something sucking the air right out of your lungs. Feels like something is reaching through your skin. You feel a cold grip on your heart. And as she slightly squeezes it, just enough to stop it, you realize that she's causing you to have a heart attack. You panic, you try to move, but she's just too strong. And as you begin to lose consciousness for the last time, you hear a voice scream in your ear. Mine. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash DeadRabbitRadio. TikTok is at DeadRabbitRadio. DeadRabbitRadio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great one, guys. Peace.